0: Good morning Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and with me I have Pastor John Schubert once again. Last week we talked about the sacrament of baptism, and today we are going to talk about the second sacrament, which would be the Lord's Supper. I know there can be a lot of confusion surrounding this sacrament, so I'm glad that John has willingly said yes to discuss this with me today. Um, when we often talk about the Lord's Supper, John, we, we talk about it as the sign of the New Covenant. What does it mean? What, is, what does the Lord's Supper mean when we say that it's the sign of the New Covenant?
1: Well, there's um, different signs um, of different covenants. And the New Covenant is a New Covenant versus the Old Covenant. Um, There are different covenants in Scripture, and the New Covenant is the one that Jesus initiated, and uh, one of the ways he initiated it, one of the signs of the New Covenant being in existence was these things that we call sacraments or ordinances. You know, some people are more comfortable calling them ordinances. Uh, We don't shy away from the word sacrament um, because it is a a holy order that we do. It's, It's the word sacramentum. You know, it's a, it's a serious um, uh, remembrance, a serious event in the life of the church that is not salvific, um, but it is demonstrative of the gospel. And of course, the gospel is the new covenant, the gospel in the uh, body and blood of Christ. Um, you know, when Paul was describing the Lord's Supper to the Corinthian Church. He described it well. He was he was quoting Christ, and Jesus said, "This is this is the blood of the new covenant." Mm-hmm. These things were were commanded by Christ. Um, Calvin, who was involved in clarifying some of these doctrines for the church, um, and he of course was coming out of the Catholic scene. and In, in Catholicism, there were like uh, seven. Ceremonies that were practiced in the Roman Church of his day, and and whether or not they satisfied the the definition um, of a genuine biblical God ordained sacrament, uh, meant that Calvin thought that there had to be a promise in Scripture and a command in Scripture, and hmm. so that eliminated all but these two sacraments hmm. of the seven of the Catholic. Sacraments; um, these two only survived in Calvin's mind because these two are associated with the promise, and they're associated with the command. Jesus commands them. You know, there's other sacraments in the in the Catholic Church that that we wouldn't agree are sacraments. They teach them as sacraments, but we wouldn't agree. And it's because of what Calvin has said here, and because what you know, Calvin demonstrates that it's a biblical sacrament. It's, it, there must be a promise involved. Hmm and there must be a command given command by christ himself before this can become a sacrament and these two things pass the test they are they are identified by christ with the new covenant both baptism and the lord's supper both are commanded both associated with the promise okay um that makes sense sure yeah okay yeah absolutely
0: so in the old testament there were there are covenants that God made with specific people. Did mm-hmm. did they have signs
1: as well? Sure. Circumcision is one of them. Okay. That was made with? Abraham. Abraham. Yeah. Okay. He said, go and do this to all your boys, and this is a sign of the covenant. You are a separate people. This is what my people do.
0: So he, he gave them a command, go do this. And this is the sign. And this is the sign, and this is... Is there
1: a promise with that covenant? Well, Abrahamic covenant, uh, quite a bit of promise yeah. in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pastor Rick covered this last week um, in his sermon on Matthew five five. There's the promise of the people. There's a, a, a great nation will come from you, Abraham. Yeah. That's a promise. You will inherit a land. Your people will inherit land, Abraham. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of promises. And, of course, the command um, is there also with that covenant. Yeah. You know, here's the sign go circumcise your boys. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, not to get too far off track on on these old covenants, but in the Abrahamic covenant, God is God is the one that's making this covenant with these people, right? Correct. Yeah. So is it is it the same thing in
1: in the Lord's Supper is is God making this covenant with his yes, people? Yes. Of course. Yeah. This is a new covenant in my blood, Jesus said. Yeah. He is the covenant maker. Yeah. We are recipients of the covenant. Yeah. Um, of course, our, our half of the bargain is obedience, like it was in the Old Testament. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you don't receive the covenant, and if you disobey, it means that a sign of our participation in the covenant, fruits of the Spirit, is obedience. You love me if you keep my commandments, Jesus said. This yeah. is this is what my people do; they obey. Um, this was this is a common. Response to God's relationship with His people. So, the, the covenant is made by God. It is a, a divine covenant. It is a unconditional covenant, yeah. really, um, as it was to Abraham. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's it's an eternal covenant. Yeah. He, he's not gonna He's not gonna change
1: his mind. Um, no, and Pastor Rick made a point of that. Yeah. I thought good for you. Yeah, he's uh, demonstrating his premillennialism up there on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. no, that
0: was good. Yeah, it's just I, well, I was just reading in in Leviticus 26 um, of how God says, that, you know, if you obey me, everything's going to go well. If you disobey me, things are not going to go well. Right, but that didn't that didn't change the covenant. No, because because at the end of 26, he says, "I will not break my covenant with you." Right, you're <laughs> always my people. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and the new covenant, of course is is that God God changes the hearts of his yeah. covenant people.
0: Yeah.
1: Or that didn't happen before. Yeah. In the new covenant all of a sudden we get new hearts meaning the Holy Spirit converts us. The only way that you can be part of the new covenant is if the Holy Spirit converts your soul. There's yeah. nothing external you can do. Yeah. God must do it. So yeah, yeah it's a God ordained God initiated covenant with undeserving people. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and, and the and the Lord's Supper and baptism are signs of that covenant. The, the baptism, I know we're not talking about that today, but is a beautiful picture of our salvation, the yeah. gospel of Christ coming, living, dying, being buried and resurrected. What happens in the baptism? We we demonstrate our association with Christ by. A physical dunking under the waters, sh- demonstrating our death to ourself, and then coming back to life out of the water, showing our, our new life in Christ. So yeah, yeah it's a picture of, of the gospel as is the Lord's Supper. Yeah, I mean, if you can't get to the gospel from the Lord's Supper, yeah. y- you don't understand the gospel. Yeah. It is the broken body and spilt blood. Demonstrated in the elements of yeah. the bread, and in our case, juice. Yeah, yeah. the the bread and cup. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we already
0: touched base on this a little bit, but why why is it necessary that we participate in the Lord's
1: Supper? I mean, what's what's taking place there? Obedience to the command to do so is the first thing that we need to talk about. Okay, right? Jesus said to do this. Yeah. This is what Christians do. When you gather in my name, observe the Lord's Supper. Okay, So we do so. We we get together around the table and we remember the gospel. We remember, you know, it's not just a remembrance, though. It's not, we're, not, we're not Zwingliists who, who Zwingli, Zwingli argued against Calvin that this was just a remembrance. Um, or Or Luther, I can't remember who his argument was with. But Zwingli said... No, this is just a remembrance. There's nothing else going on here but our memory. Hmm. And the other Reformers, Zwingli was a solid Reformer, but he, he, I think we disagree with him there on this minor point, yeah. that it's more than just a remembrance. I think there's some spiritual nurture going on, some, some a spiritual blessing, actual feeding on Christ Uh, and I don't want to confuse that with transubstantiation. We're not saying we're physically feeding on Christ, as some of the Catholics would argue. We're saying there's a spiritual feeding on Christ. The Holy Spirit attends us in that service in a way that he doesn't anywhere else. Hmm. He comes alongside of of the weary and weak Christian and builds them up in their faith and reminds them that the gospel is full and free to anybody who will confess their sin. And so that strengthens us for the battle. It reminds us of... Our dependence on our save all sufficient Savior, and and then ministers to our souls in that setting, and so obedience you, to answer your question. Why do we do it? Because Christ commanded us to do it, and He commanded us to do it because He knew that we were weak. We were weak in uh, our our spiritual endeavors. Um, this is one thing that that also the reformers pointed out. This is this is why the. Command is important part of the sacrament and to qualify for a sacrament, there had to be a command. Now why did Jesus command this? Why did he require us to participate in the Lord's Supper? And I don't know how far this down this rabbit trail you want me to go, Jeremy, but <laughs> well, why do some people continually labor in uh, being in their battle with sin? Why is it they, that they can't ever seem to conquer sin? And then you ask them, when was the last time you participated in the Lord's Supper? Well, I don't remember the last time. Well, part of the reason we're commanded to participate is because in the Supper, the Lord strengthens us for d- daily Christian life. Hmm. You need to be here when we're serving the Supper. So hmm. does that answer your question? Yeah. Command and Benefit that's why we yeah. participate in lord's supper yeah. we're commanded to and christians obey the commands of christ and secondly the benefit of participating yeah. we remember that we this is one body you know we're one body of christ there's one one body there that one jesus one one body of christ I'm not talking about the, the spiritual body. I'm talking about the mystical body. I'm talking about his physical body. There's only one body. Yeah. It's demonstrated in our one mystical body with Christ. We're, we're united around these elements. This is what unites us uh, with other Christians around the world. Yeah. We believe what those elements represent. They're salvific. The body and blood of Christ torn and spilt for us is what saves our souls. Yeah. This is a common belief to all Christians. If you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's there's a benefit there. We're 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 being fed by the Spirit. We're being reminded of our g- unity with the worldwide church. Those who truly have embraced Christ. Um, we we labor to love them and maintain the unity of the Spirit. Um, these are all benefits of the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, Rick Lyon, when he was doing the the baptism
0: last week, when he was discussing baptism, he, he brought those same aspects up too. It's, we're commanded to do so, but we're also, we also benefit from yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And so it seems as though these, these, these sacraments that we participate in are, uh, as you already mentioned, are commanded and there's benefits to it. But it seems like so often there's, it's just a, we look at it as a, well, it's, we just do it because the Bible says so without ever recognizing that there's actually spiritual benefit to
1: these things well, that we're participating in. We do it in. because the Bible says so is half the equation. Sure. And It's yeah. an important half. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, we, we baptize one another because the Bible says so. Jesus commands us to. But we also do so because of the benefits, just yeah. like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So I've
0: been in numerous churches that don't celebrate the Lord's Supper why why is that why does that happen? Why is there so many churches that totally disregard um, How how blunt I mean, do you want me to be?
1: <laughs> as as blunt as you well, want to my, be. Well it might was one of my gifts. Um <laughs> yeah. If they're not celebrating the Lord's Supper, they're not churches. They're social clubs. Well. How? Why? Because one of the ways that you dis do you, you uh prove if you will that you are a church of Christ that you are a, a, a gathering of believers is you obey the command. Hmm. If you're not obeying the command to remember the Lord's supper remember these elements until I come you're not part of the church you're not a church so there's there's three things that prove you're a church you you preach the word you you uh, practice church discipline and you Take the elements. Those are the three things, according to the Reformers and the Puritans, how you prove you're actually a biblical New Testament church. You preach the word, and I think expositionally, you preach the word, you practice church discipline, and (laughs) you participate in the sacraments. You rightfully participate in the sacraments. You present Christ to your people in baptism in the Lord's Supper. If you're not practicing the sacraments, you're not a church. Mm. If you're not practicing church, listen, you're not a church. If you're if you're not preaching the word, you're not a church. Mm. These three things go together. And by the way, way, Calvin made a big deal about the connection between practicing the sacraments and preaching of the word. They must go together.
0: Mm.
1: Which is why we labor to when we present the Lord's Supper at like first Wednesday. Um we try to present the word at least in some way to to the body, so that the word and sacrament connect. Yeah. There's not a separation. It's not some magical ceremony. Yeah. It is connected to the words of Christ in the New Testament, yeah. which is you know, and that includes reading of the words of institution. They were called that's First Corinthians 11, yeah. 23 to twenty five. Those are those are the words. But beyond that, I think there's a necessity that we dis- we discuss um the word of christ to his people as we present the elements so they make the association that there's no some magical power in these elements yeah it's connected to the word word and sacrament yeah and the and the the reformers and puritans made a big deal about that yeah so so last week when i was talking to rick i we brought
0: up this idea so should people should people be baptized just in the river by some random joe blow and he he said that no, that is it's part of the church. And you've received this question um, for people who are getting married. Uh, we want to we want to observe the Lord's
1: Supper during our wedding ceremony. It's me, and my spouse, and my new spouse, and Jesus. Yeah.
0: So what? Why is that? Why is that a problem for you? Uh,
1: let me answer that after I finish my last thought. Okay. Okay. Speaking about the importance of connecting the word to the sacrament, the word to the ordinance, Calvin approves of Augustine's saying when he said, and this is Augustine, the elements—that is, the Lord's Supper elements, the bread and the in the in the cup—only become sacraments when the word is added. Hmm. They're not sacraments otherwise. Hmm. Which is why I'm, I just said what I said about us trying to connect in the minds of our people at Sun Valley Church, word. And sacrament. It's not a magic show. Yeah, this isn't something miracle miraculous going to happen here because you take this piece of bread and this piece of juice. Yeah. No, it's it's connected to the word. There's, there's that's where the connection is. That's where the power is. That's where the promise is. So, what do I, what I say to the couple who wants to <clears throat> uh, have me? If I'm if I'm the officiant in a yeah. in a wedding ceremony, they want to. They want to um uh me to serve them the Lord's Supper to the exclusion of everybody else in the in the room. I won't do that anymore. I've done that in the past. I think it was a mistake. I think the sacraments are for the church, not for individuals. Yeah. Baptism or otherwise. You Joe Blow can't baptize. Well, he can, but it is of no effect to baptize Joe, you know, anybody in the river. Yeah. It is A command to the church to baptize, to offer the Lord's supper, and when it's offered, the Lord's supper or baptism, it's done in the context of the church, not a wedding ceremony. If you want to have the Lord's supper served at a wedding ceremony, then your wedding ceremony ought to be a worship service. I've actually attended one of those, and it was beautiful. My my nephew did that. It was a worship service, and his marriage or his wedding ceremony was part of the worship service. Hmm. The worship service started like ours does. They went through a call to worship. They went through the confession of sin and the the assurance of pardon. And they said, and today we're going to marry Matt Hmm. and Stacy. And they came forward. They went through a short ceremony. They served the entire body, the Lord's Supper. And the guy preached the word and ended the worship service. Hmm. In that worship service, my nephew was married. Hmm. I thought it was beautiful. And I would do that. I would say, okay. We're 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 worshiping God. We're remembering the elements of the Lord's Supper. We're connecting the Word to the sacrament, and we're making it a wedding ceremony at the same time. Beautiful. I can serve the Lord's Supper to the whole group, yeah. but not to the couple. Yeah. Just to the couple. I wouldn't I wouldn't serve the Lord's Supper just to that couple in any circumstance. It would have to include the entire body, which it was at my nephew's sure uh, wedding ceremony. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So these sacraments are for the church. The church. You ought not to be serving your children the Lord's Supper in your family devotions. Right. That's probably out of order. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the mortal sin, but it is probably out of order and eventually will confuse your children. Yeah. What is happening here? Yeah. Well, Dad used to do this. Well, yeah. probably not the right way to think about the sacraments. Yeah. Yeah. So... John, you you mentioned
0: this big word transubstantiation earlier. I can hardly pronounce that. I, word. I can't. Yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, but this is this is a doctrine that is taught within the Catholic Church. How? What is it first of all, and how is it a, an abuse, or how can it be an abuse of the gospel?
1: It's it's not how can it be. It, how, how is it? Yeah. It is an abuse of the gospel. It and and, and here's why it resacrifices Christ. So transubstantiation is the doctrine that the elements, the 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 bread and wine, turn into magically, actual flesh and blood of Jesus once it touches your lips. Okay. So there's some holy, mystical, weird thing that happens when the priest in the Catholic Church's case blesses the elements, they turn into the body of Christ, and when they put them in your lips, obviously this wafer isn't the body of Christ yet, and they're confused about when it becomes that. But it's somewhere between the blessing and the touching of your lips that it turns into the body of Christ. So is it just a re-sacrificing of Christ over over what they're That's what they're doing, essentially. How else are you going to get the body and blood of Christ in your mouth? It is a a re-sacrifice of the precious and only body of Christ. He had one body. Yeah. He didn't get a million bodies, he had one body to, to die with. And he died once for sin. Yeah. Not re-sacrificed every time there's a ceremony in some church, no, that is not the case. Not only is it weird, but it is an abomination of the doctrine. we we hold to be dear. Hmm. Christ was sacrificed once for our sins for all time.
0: Yeah.
1: Not <laughs> every time we show up together.
0: Yeah.
1: And 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 besides the fact that it's a repetitive thing for the sacrifice, what's it say about the first sacrifice if it's right. not sufficient for our sins? Right. It wasn't sufficient? Right. Well, if it wasn't, then what did Jesus mean in John 19 when he said it's finished? Yeah. So there's so a is, lot of
0: problems with transubstantiation. So is that is that um, uh, another form of of works righteousness? I guess is is by taking this, you are earning salvation through that. I guess
1: I, I don't know exactly how Catholics think about it. I, I can see how you would get there with with um, transubstantiation. I would guess that it's probably more about. Uh, the the method of forgiveness, okay, you know what I mean. Yeah, i I'm, yeah. I think there's a, a, maybe a nuance difference between what I just said and what you said. Um, I don't think that they would. Maybe they would, but uh, I don't think they would say it the way you would. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I think it's a kind of a a means of forgiveness when you when you go through the Catholic Mass, and part of the Mass is the Lord's Supper. Um. In fact, it's not a mass without the Lord's Supper. Yeah. So they would say it's a means of forgiveness. I think not so much salvation or a works salvation. Okay. Um, but I can see in your in in our, in our thinking, you know, in, 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 in as we keep Galatians in view, how it could be interpreted that way from our perspective. I don't think that's how they think of it. Uh, I don't think they think yeah. that their religion is a works based righteousness. Yeah. I think we think that it is. And I think I can understand how you would get there with that, but I don't think they would describe it that way. Hmm. So this doctrine is
0: obviously an abuse of the gospel because we see Christ being sacrificed again and again and again. But how can somebody, within our context of of what we believe, how can somebody uh, abuse the Lord's table?
1: I'm afraid that it gets abused every time we serve it. Hmm. How so? Uh, coming flippantly. Okay. Um, coming with unconfessed sin, knowing unconfessed sin, known unconfessed sin, I should say. That's an abuse of the Lord's Supper. In in 1 Corinthians 11 that I just read for you, Paul was dealing with the abuse in the Corinthian church of the Lord's Supper. They were coming and reveling and partying Essentially, and trying to make their their party religious in nature, mm-hmm. um, flippantly approaching the sacrament commanded by Christ—that's sin. Mm-hmm. That's abuse mm-hmm. of the Lord's Supper. And and let me just say this to especially to our young families. Some of our young families at Sunbelt Church allow their children. To take the Lord's Supper before they're baptized, I think that's a chronological mistake, hmm. um, because and and uh, and mistaken in a few other ways too, including teaching your children what is the point of the sacraments and how we associate with the body of Christ. These are elements: the Lord's Supper and baptism, reserved for the body, the the visible body of Christ. Hmm. Um, And so our our view of entry into the body of Christ in a visible way is baptism, not the Lord's Supper. And so to allow your children to participate in the Lord's Supper before they've been baptized, I think ultimately is going to confuse them, confuse those who are watching and participating. Some of our families are very careful about that. And... I know for a fact because they've told me this is intention they're intentionally withholding the 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 Lord's Supper from their children until they've been able to uh, express their faith um, in rational terms, uh, in personal terms, um, so that they're ready to be baptized. And when once they're baptized, to move that into that next obvious step of spiritual growth and blessing to the Lord's Supper. Hmm. And I think all of our parents need to seriously think about this. Um, It is a teaching opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to explain to your children the gospel again. Every single month when they are asked to wait or told to wait until they've understood the gospel and claimed Christ publicly. Through baptism, uh, I think that's really Hmm. something that our parents ought to consider. Obviously, we leave it to the parents in our church. We do not uh, fence the table to that degree. Um, And It's not out of the question, but at this point, we haven't decided to do that. But we do hope that parents would seriously think about what I've just said. Um, For the sake of your children's understanding of the gospel, and their role in the church and their view of Christ and understanding of Christ and His church. I think it, it just is a, a real <clears throat> potential misunderstanding mm-hmm. when your kids are up there never having professed faith, never having been baptized and partaking in the Lord's Supper. It's, it's odd, yeah. confusing. Um, well,
0: I think, I think you said it well when you said there's a flippancy when we come to the Lord's table of, I don't know, maybe we're just not sure of what actually is partaking, what we're actually partaking in, what we're actually doing, um, because it it could be very confusing, especially for, for young kids just to say, yeah, we're just going to go eat some. Bread and drink some juice. I remember when I was I was a kid. I was obviously not saved, and uh, I can I, vouch for that. Yeah, yeah. but I, I remember taking the Lord's supper, and I had no idea what.
1: what and that was probably happening. is not healthy. Yeah, because you had to relearn. Yeah, not that you couldn't, and because you, you obviously you have. But, well, I don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think you have, and <laughs> and I think that uh, it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to be the disciples the. Of our children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, we we don't want this to become a a, a rote experience and and a, a you know a, in the bad form of the word religious experience mm-hmm. uh, for our children. Mm-hmm. We don't want this to be a a fake relationship with Christ. We want it to be a genuine relationship with Christ. So, if your kids aren't ready. To profess Christ in the waters of baptism, they're not ready to profess Christ taking the supper. Hmm. So, I just, I really hope and pray that our our parents consider this closely, because mm-hmm. um, it's important. Yeah, we, we want our children to understand the gospel. Yeah, we want them to understand their sin and that there's only one Savior, yeah. and to make believe. It confuses things, yeah, and I just think that we don't need any more confusion in our world, yeah. especially in our homes and as we try to represent Christ to them, yeah, well,
0: oh, and I think that ties well too to this idea of of believers' baptism, right, yeah, sure, of course, yeah, 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 well, church, we hope that this has uh cleared your mind on this subject. I know it can be a daunting task to dive into uh, this this. Sacrament of the Lord's Supper and of Baptism, um, but we hope that it's answered some questions for you. I know if you have any more questions, uh, John would be more than happy to to answer those for you. Uh, we look forward to being with you next week as we talk about biblical eldership, what it looks like and what it's not, uh, with Andy Denome. So we hope you come back next week to to dive into that study of, of eldership. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on the Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.